from BYU Radio's Performance Studio. This is Highway 89. I'm Sam Payne. 25 years ago, a group of friends gathered in the garden of their neighbor's backyard for an evening of storytelling. And the next year, they gathered again, and the next, and the next, until the annual Timpanoga Storytelling Festival of Orem, Utah, became what it is today, the largest storytelling festival in the West. And featured on the stages at this festival, this special anniversary year, are David Holt and Josh Goforth. We've seen both of them on the festival stage before individually. This year, they're back together, and together they're the two-man tornado of tunes and tales. Special thanks to the festival. We've got them here in the studio today to perform. We're going to chat with each of them between songs, but let's get right to some music. David Holt and Josh Goforth. Big Sandy, performed right here in the BYU radio studio by David Holt and Josh Goforth. This is Highway 89, and I'm Sam Payne. David Holt is a four-time Grammy Award-winning musician and storyteller. He's also the host of the PBS program Great Scenic Railway Journeys and PRI's Riverwalk Jazz Program. David, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Great to be here. Great to be in Utah. I want to talk about your, you're a song collector. Mm-hmm. You're kind of a serious song collector. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm thinking of a performance of yours where you talked about a song you learned by sitting on a porch with a 105-year-old woman, Aunt Zip. Yeah. Oh, Tell yeah. us about collecting songs. Uh, well, so I came to the Southern Mountains. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Josh and I both live in that town. And uh, it's a town, or the whole area, the Southern Mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains, are full of traditional music. And so I moved there just to learn from these old mountain people. This is 1969. Yeah. So lots of these old guys and gals that were born in the late 1800s still alive. 
She was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you've played with some of the greats. I mean, yes, you've been uh-huh. on stage with a lot of the, a, a lot of the folk and, and Americana legends. Of the, yeah, of, of, played with Doc Watson for 14 years. That's that was right. the high yeah. point of you know th- everything. And it, but you've got a pretty egalitarian view. I mean, you're you're as interested in in the Everyman song as you oh, are absolutely. in the song of the oh, legends. Absolutely. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, there's there's a, so much soul in this music, and it's not these most of these folks aren't famous. Uh, that I've learned from these old mountain people. I mean, 99% of them aren't well known, but they just had so much soul in their music. And it's just, I just felt it just felt like I had to go collect that music. I mean, in those days, there weren't many young people doing that. Uh, there's more now. And so I just, that was just what I dedicated my life to learning and performing those songs. One of the ways that you honor the people that you've learned songs from on stage is by displaying their photos as a part of, yeah, your, as mm-hmm, a part of your true, act. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've really got, you've got, quite a collection of of photos i love photography too yeah Yeah. i've done a lot of photography yeah (laughs) talk about that practice of 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 connecting with a photo with your audience well you know i I didn't do that for years and just recently i've started blowing up the pictures maybe 16 by 24 something like that so the audience can see and give them a context about what i'm talking about these aren't some people i just made up or something they're real people who had real lives some rough lives and uh the pictures just put it all in focus i think for people yeah, and we want to mention that many of the songs and stories that David has collected are part of a permanent collection of the Library of Congress in Washington, right. D.C. I mean, this is mm-hmm. serious business. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff there, yeah. <laughs> well, set up the next song for us. The next song you're going to do is, this is one that, uh, of course, the legendary Doc Watson recorded, friend and mentor of yours, as you mentioned, yeah. being on stage with him for 14 years. Tell us a little bit about Sitting on Top of the World. This is one of those old songs, Sitting on Top of the World, that's that combination of English and African-American music together. You can hear it in here. You can hear a little bit of the blues, not the not the bar blues like we're used to today, but the yeah. old kind of timey blues. And Josh just does a great job singing it so i'm going to be playing it on the slide guitar where i've got a bottleneck on my finger and playing the melody there josh is playing on the regular guitar and singing the pajamas out of it (laughs) we're going to send david holt over to strap in and you're listening to highway 89 i'm sam Payne. a pleasure with us today are uh we've got david holt and josh go forth
a woman way on the other side. Oh, but now she's gone. Lord, but I don't worry. Oh, because I'm sitting on top of the world. What do you think about it, David? Oh. Sitting on Top of the World, performed by our special guests today, David Holt and Josh Goforth. You're listening to BYU Radio. I'm Sam Payne. And Josh Goforth, what a pleasure to have you back in the studio. It's so great to be back here and wonderful to be back in Utah. For a long time, your bio listed a lot of fantastic international places you'd been to for performances. And then, of course, it said that you'd visited 49 out of the 50 U.S. states. So i got to ask, what's that, what's that last holdout? I can gladly report that I visited to the last one, which was Hawaii. That was the holdout, and by far one of the best, I have to say. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your first time playing the Grand Ole Opry. Of course, that's a milestone for anybody. Talk about that. Absolutely. I was playing with a group from Colorado called Open Road, a bluegrass band there, and uh, we got the opportunity to perform at the Grand Ole Opry, and I remember the sound check uh, went into that mother church of country music there the Ryman Auditorium and I was the first one to sound check and I played the first fiddle note and it just echoed off of every wall every wooden bench in that place and my knees got weak I almost passed out uh and we got to perform the opera that night it was one of the greatest experiences of my life so You've played Carnegie Hall as well. I have. I've performed there actually with several different groups Appalachian Trail a group from uh Southwest Virginia um as well as a couple of other groups so it's it's been a wonderful experience. Music has taken me to places I never dreamed I would get to go to, uh, being the mountain boy from Madison County, North Carolina. <laughs> you know, as David mentioned, a lot of this music has influences from outside of the United States, but it it, it is part, sort of particularly American, right? But you've, you've taken this music to other countries. You've played Japan. Talk about bringing music like this to an audience, like an audience in Japan. Is there a, is there a cultural divide there, or are you able to bridge it? Well, you know, America is a big melting pot, so a lot of these uh, folk styles of music came together there in the southern mountains to make what we kind of call mountain music. And uh, taking this to other places around the world, the, the audiences are fantastic. In Japan, actually, bluegrass music is very, very popular, and they can probably tell you more about the history of bluegrass music than I could. <laughs> we'll go to a festival in Japan of bluegrass music and There'd be like a hundred different bands, and it would go all day and all night long, all these bands, you know, with uh, band names like 
hello, thanks, come again, or just little English <laughs> phrases that they had seen. So, and it was so great to hear them sing Bill Monroe songs, wow. you know, with a Japanese accent. So pretty <laughs> surreal, I guess. We've been talking with Josh Goforth. We're going to bring David Holt back to the microphone to set up this next tune. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear now. Well, I'm going to play an instrument for you here called the mouth boat. It sounds like this. It's just a stick with a string on it. It's the oldest instrument in the world, and, uh, you know, they played it in just about every country in the world, but it still exists in the southern mountains. You can still find it there. And so I wanted to write a song about the drovers. These were guys that drove cattle, uh, pigs, and turkeys all the way from Asheville, North Carolina, which if you look on a map is a long way from Charleston, South yeah. Carolina. It would take three months for them to drive 10,000 hogs wow. all the way down there. And there's no photographs of them because the photography hadn't been invented in those days. And I just wanted to write a song about that. So this is the Drover's song. All right. An original tune by David Holt, Drover's song. Here's David and, and, and Josh. And Josh is holding up a paper bag here. So this tune's going to feature not only the mouth bow, but the paper sack. Well, it takes three months on the Grover's Road To get these hogs to market Oh, I'll come back with a wagon load And a few coins in my pocket Trading hogs for china dishes Coffee guns and salted fishes I may never know what rich is All I do is barter Fare thee well, my own true love. Fare thee well, my darling. I'm leaving here for Charleston. I'm leaving here this morning. Trading hogs for china dishes, coffee guns and salted fishes. I may never know what rich is. All I do is barter. Well, the drover's work is never done. He's going or he's coming. I'll drive these hogs to Charleston. Ten thousand hooves of drumming. Trading hogs for china dishes. Coffee guns and salts of fishes. I may never know what rich is. All I do is barter. Drover's song, David Holt and Josh Goforth. Josh, come on over here and tell us a little bit about Guitar Boogie. By one of my heroes, Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith. And, of course, he's famous for writing the dueling banjos. But before he was famous for that, he was famous for this song, the first million-selling country instrumental. And it's what gave him his nickname, Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith. (laughs) Guitar Boogie, we're going to hear it right here live today. Of course, you can also hear it on their album, the album by David Holden, Josh Goforth, their Grammy-nominated album, Cut Loose, A Two-Man Tornado of Tunes and Tales. Yeah. 
Guitar Boogie, David Holt and Josh Goforth. David Holt, there's something that some people may not know about you, and that is that not only do you know your way around all these instruments, but you know your way around the kitchen. Ah, this is true. Yeah, and you've got some recipes on your website. I do. We have been doing a little digging around, and and our our producer here, Jackie Tateishi, has, has, yeah, we went ahead and made Nanny's Old Time Texas Pecan Pie. Man, is that stuff ever good, too. (laughs) And not too sweet. This is the good thing about that pie right there. Tell us a little bit about Nanny. Oh, gosh. Nanny was a first-class character. She was born in Texas. She said, never ask anybody if they're from Texas. If they are, they'll tell you. If they're not, why embarrass them? (laughs) She had all 32 teeth pulled in one sitting without any anesthetic. This is what an old country cowboy-like lady she was. And uh, she was the wife of a doctor, an old-timey, uh, you know, Texas doctor, and uh, a real rough-and-tumble gal. But (laughs) it was really, in a way, it was Nanny that made me... uh, appreciate all these old folks that I met in the Southern Mountains because they're very similar stock, you know, just people who knew how to do anything, were not afraid of anything, were about as centered as a person can get, powerful people, you know. You, there's a story about Nanny and cars. <laughs> where, did the, where did you hear that? Yeah, you bet. Her husband, my grandfather, was the town doctor, and he bought the first car in Gatesville, Texas. It came on a railroad car and it was just in a box it was a maxwell so you had to put it together and it didn't have a steering wheel it had a steering uh yeah i guess like a knob or i mean just a stick is what Uh i'm trying to say (laughs) and uh she wouldn't he he didn't he didn't know the rules but he didn't think he should teach a woman how to drive he just thought that probably wouldn't be right so he wouldn't show her how to do it well she was smart as a whip and she watched him start it and how she did it and everything and then so one day when he was gone she said i'll show him she got out in that car and she cranked it up and it was driving around town and she realized she didn't know how to stop it it didn't go that fast so you know so she would keep going she knew where he was delivering a baby and she kept going around that block yelling dr lowry that's what she called her husband dr lowry dr lowry and finally she just got so mad he didn't come out she just crashed the car into a picket fence and into a ditch (laughs) he ran out there he was so mad she said that'll teach you if i ever ask you to show me something again you'll show me (laughs) well we got enough pecan pie to share here after the show lovely we've got of course our our engineer and our producer but we've also got a a pretty well-behaved audience in here very well behaved. we think they (laughs) deserve deserve a little pecan pie after the show let's talk a little bit about the instruments of course you you introduced us to the to the mouth bow a moment ago our radio audience can't see what's on your feet but they can hear it you're wearing tap shoes i've got just regular tap shoes (laughs) and uh in the mountains we call this flat foot dancing or Mm -hmm. some people call it clogging but actually what i'm doing is so close to the ground yeah i'm barely moving my feet so i don't jiggle my finger so i can still play set at the same time and dance so uh i'm doing flat footing that i learned from an old man named uh willard watson he was doc's uncle but there's there's more this this studio is just about as full of instruments as it can get we've got i mean you play the banjo the guitar the slide guitar the ukulele the bantar the hammered dulcimer the lap dulcimer the auto harp the harmonica the jaw harp the mouth bow the washboard and and the bones and spoons that have been passed down in your family yeah. For five generations now. Yeah, that's, that was the, you know, growing up in Texas, that was the um, instrument that really tweaked my interest. Because I was a little kid, my granddad was a lawyer, my dad was an engineer, they weren't musicians. But they had had this bones playing tradition passed down in the family from five generations that they knew about. And that great-great-great-grandfather was from Alamance County, North Carolina, wow. who had moved to Texas with the bones. Now, the bones are can either be made of cow ribs or they can be uh, pieces of wood like what I've got right here. So. Okay. There's a little, there are rhythm instruments, Celtic rhythm instruments, yeah. 
And uh, that was the first thing that I ever learned how to play, that and the spoons. And I think that opened my ears to unusual kinds of music. Hmm. And that, uh, that may have been what got me kind of fired up about it when I got a little older. A moment ago, you, you guys got set to do a tune, and, and Josh held up the paper bag. Yes. I really learned that. We didn't make that up. We learned it from an old man named Morris Norton, who also played the mouth bow, yeah. the same guy that I learned the mouth bow from. And he lived in this little community called Sodom, North Carolina. It's really a little place. And uh, there's a whole group of ballad singers and musicians in that community, but he may have been the most unusual and quirky, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> but even when you're playing the paper bag, I mean, there's really nothing of novelty about that instrument. That's a very legitimate it's, percussion yeah. instrument as you guys employ it. That's what I love about playing these odd little instruments is just playing them as musically as possible, which yeah. ends up being pretty hard to do. Uh, rather than making just a gimmick, I mean, they are interesting to look at because you've never seen it before, like the mouth bow. And yet, it can be very musical, too, even if you just have one note. <laughs> Play that one note, right. man. <laughs> Everybody else is looking for that note. I found it. Right. That's it. Now, do you, do you have a preference? you have a paper bag preference? I'm looking to see if yes. I can see the... It is the Union Camp Special 20. Okay. And that's why the one that Josh was playing has my picture on it. Union Camp heard me play that on the Grand Ole Opry and sent me 2,000 of them <laughs> with my picture on it. <laughs> I mentioned that, that it was my favorite bag, and they sent me 2,000. <laughs> Too bad I wasn't playing a Mercedes Benz or something. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Personalized paper bags. Yeah, well, right. set up the next song for us. We're going to hear Ready Okay, this is a great tune there. that... Uh, that I learned from Doc Watson. You know, Doc was blind, and I think America's greatest folk musician yeah. that's ever been produced in America. And um, so Doc would play any kind of song that he felt like spoke to him. It didn't have to always be an old-timey song, although that's where his heart yeah. was. And this is one he learned off of a Crystal Gale, or he learned it from Crystal Gale, and he made it into something that almost sounds old. It's called Ready for the Times to Get Better. All right. We're going to hear Ready for the Times to Get Better. This is David Holt and Josh Goforth. And you're listening to Highway 89. I've got to tell you, I've been racking my brain. I've got to find a way out I'm getting tired of this continual rain A change is coming, no doubt It's been a too long time With no peace of mind And I'm ready for the times to get better A long, lonely time With no peace of mind and I'm ready for the times to get better Take from me what I cannot give No happiness can I find 
I've got a dream that I am trying to live It's burning holes in my mind It's been a too long time With no peace of mind And I'm ready for the times to get better A long, lonely time With no peace of mind And I'm ready for the times To get better for the times to get better written by alan reynolds recorded by american country music artist crystal gale on her 1978 album crystal and it comes to us of course by way of of uh, of uh, josh goforth and david holt and doc taylor we want to talk about uh, or doc watson excuse me there's a doc taylor who works here at byu <laughs> <laughs> We want to talk a little bit to Josh Goforth. And Josh, we've we've had you in the studio before, and mm-hmm. we've had great conversations. And 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 one of the things that's that's obvious is in every conversation we've had is your admiration for David. Uh, and and if, I, I want to talk a little bit about your history together. This goes this takes us all the way back to your junior high and high school. Years. It does yeah. my formative years, I guess you could say. My great uncle gave me a guitar when I was 12 years old, and then I learned to play a couple of songs on it, and my middle school teacher said, we have David Holt coming here next week, and I'd love for you to play a tune with him, and David graciously allowed me to play with him on stage and gave me several of his recordings, which I went back home and feverishly learned every song (laughs) I possibly could, and after I entered college, David gave me a call and asked if I would come be a part of a band he was putting together to do a European tour. And we've been playing together ever since then. That was 2001 he gave me that phone call. So I practiced up and got good enough to where I could kind of stand on the side. And since then, we've played in that band together, and we've also developed this duet show as well. And it's been one of the greatest experiences of my life. David, such a wonderful mentor. He knows so much about performance. And he learned from a lot of my family members, really, there in Sodom, North Carolina. So it's this nice circle that kind of goes around. So. Tell us about how that phone call made you feel. Well, it was amazing for me because, of course, to me, he was a superhero in this music. So getting the phone call from David to be a part of this band was just, it was a dream come true for me. And and it seems like every time we play together, we just, our vibe is spot on and we just feel the rhythm because we kind of have the same influences in a lot of ways. So it's, it's a magical thing for me and I'm very fortunate. I think about one of the one of the one of your focuses, right? One of your goals is to get young people excited about this old time heritage music, and, and of course, you become both of you ambassadors for this kind of music. Talk about how this affects young people, the youngest people that you play play this music for. Ways certainly that you're trying to sort of spread the gospel of this music, but also perhaps the story of of someone who may have embraced it like you embraced it. You know, when I first started playing, I was lucky because there were several local jam sessions there around Marshall, North Carolina. I could ride the school bus down to, and there was this collection of 
old guys who would sit in the back room of one of these places and just play old country bluegrass and old time songs. And um, the person who owned the place was a pharmacist. It was actually a pharmacy, and he had instruments that lined all of the walls, and he would allow you to take those down and try to learn them. So I would sit in the corner, and that's the way I learned to play this music. So for me, having that older generation there to be a mentor to me was a huge help. So I feel like as a musician now, I want to give that to other people. You know, in the in the age of mass media online, there's nothing like human interaction with this kind of music. There's nothing like actually sitting down with people and playing it. And I try every chance I get to do that for younger people. Um, I teach private lessons. Uh, yeah. Just started a brand new uh music school there in Asheville that I'm teaching at two days a week and it's wonderful to see young students like I have a nine-year-old student actually Brian Sutton who's a wonderful guitarist his niece is now one of my students and she comes in there and each week she's got her tune ready and prepared and she just loves it and grins and every time I see young people like that it really gives me hope that this music's not going to die it's going to keep going you uh both of you you know you 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 collect music, but you also create music. You 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 guys have written songs, and and of course, not just uh, song material, but m- musical material, but also spoken word material. You developed a lot of stories as well as a lot of songs. As you're developing material, what's the difference for you between a story that's sung and a story that's told, and how do you draw those lines? I think for me, songs come to me in so many different ways. It can come as a small melodic line, and then I put the words to it later. It can come as a idea or a concept or a catchphrase. Songs really come to me like that. Stories, really most of my stories is just sit around and hear my family talk because <laughs> I'm cleaning up my accent really well right now so you can understand what I'm saying. But we got a lot of characters there in Madison County, and you don't have to embellish very much. Just repeat what they've said. So... <laughs> There is that line between stories and songs that I think songs come to me melodically and as as catchphrases, ideas, or rhythms, and stories just come direct from the source, from those people (laughs) that are my family. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear next, a couple of tunes up next here. Yeah, actually, uh, David's going to play the washboard, which is a wonderful rhythm instrument, and actually going to play a tune from the Georgia Sea Islands from Bessie Smith. And uh, then after that, we're going to follow it up with a Doc Watson tune, uh, Rain Crow Bill, and showcase some of David's wonderful washboard playing. And going to showcase me playing the stump fiddle, an instrument from Burnsville, North Carolina, that's just a stick with bottle caps nailed to it. (laughs) So a little stump fiddle and washboard. We're going to hear Coming My Way and Rain Crow Bill from David Holt and Josh Goforth. You're listening to Highway 89. I'm Sam Payne. And things are coming my way All I got to do is just reach out and grab it Cause things are coming my way Oh Lord, how happy I feel I got possession of an automobile Don't have to work, don't have to steal Cause things are coming my way
Got one lucky penny in my left hind pocket And things are coming my way Never be broke just as long as I got it Cause things are coming my way Oh Lord, how happy I feel I got possession of an automobile I don't have to work, don't have to steal Things are coming my way Things are coming my way Things are coming my way Coming my way and Rain Crow Bill. David Holt, we we just talk, we just we just sort of put Josh on the spot to talk, <laughs> say all kinds of nice things about you. Yeah, well, he's he's <laughs> what, great. I mean, what I, would you say about Josh? Well, he's one of the most talented young people I've ever met, and uh, the great thing about being with Josh is that his his relatives that were dead long before he was born are people I learned from. So to me, it's like this full circle. And, and I just feel so privileged to play with him. And, and uh, you know, I learn a lot from him, too. So it's just been a great duo. It's been fun. You know, it's great to have somebody out on the road 35 years younger than you are to help get around and, and uh, you know, make the travel a little bit easier. Yeah. And we always have a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. It's great. Tell us a little bit about life on the road. I mean, the, the, the life that you guys lead. Well, we're not on the road all the time. Uh, you know, we, Josh and I actually don't go out and do long tours at a time. We will, uh, on the gigs we do together, we usually fly someplace and then fly home, maybe do yeah. two gigs or something like this. It's a four-day festival. Come out here and fly home. Uh, so it's, it's not like the kind of life on the road you hear the grinding in the bus, you know, we don't do that. <laughs> That's in the past. We, right? no, no, I never did that. Oh, I had a really? family and I couldn't, I just couldn't huh. do that. You know, I had little kids and... I, I always wanted to just be able to go and come home, be, leave the weekends a lot of times, but be home for their school days. And so that's kind of the way I've worked for 45 years. <laughs> I'm thinking a moment ago you brought up the the bones and you played yeah. a little bones for us yeah. and talked about that as the first instrument that you learned yeah. how to play. And uh -huh. I, I guess my imagination threw up a picture of, of 
little David Holt being yeah. allowed to play the bones along with whatever anybody else was playing in the room, as he, and, then, and then finding your way into other instruments and becoming well, it, more useful. It yeah. wasn't quite that musical. Uh, they, the, my granddad and dad just played the bones. I didn't play any other instruments. It was like <laughs> everybody sitting around going, ticky, 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 you know, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but, uh, but once I learned how to do that, and then I found Celtic music, which is where the bones really kind of came from, yeah. and then it fit in with the mountain music as well. I was home, you know, that, yeah. that made a lot of sense to me. Well, David Holt, we, we want to bring Josh over here to tell us just yeah. a little bit about this next tune that we're going to hear. Josh, go forth. Tell us about uh, this pecan pie is sort of speaking to me. That's, I know, tell, I know. Tell, tell us about Smell Get Dinner. <laughs> All right, Get My Dinner is actually a blues song, and uh, it's actually a song about death row, believe it or not. Uh, but I got this story from David, uh, the guy who wrote it, Jimmy Rogers, the singing blues man instead yeah. of the singing break man, was sitting around with his buddies, and they were trying to figure out if they had one last meal, if they were on death row, what would it be? And, of course, some of them said steaks, and some of them said a big plate of ham or cordon bleu. And, of course, Jimmy Rogers said, no, I don't think so. I think I'll choose something that's really hard to get and really takes a long time to cook, maybe. So that's where this song comes from. All right, nothing like a death row song, right? The death row food song. Here's Get My Dinner. I heard the warden say Son, you have one more meal And one more day Now if you ain't got it We'll go out and get it Cause you don't have to die Till we get back with it So I said, bring me two dinosaur Eggs over easy Fried in butter and not too greasy. Cobra tooth and a tiger steak and a whole hippopotamus. Well baked now, go and get my dinner. Go and get my dinner. You ain't got it. Go out and get it. Cause I don't have to die till you get back with it. Now bring me a cup of crocodile tears Purple watermelon and alligator ears Two cross-eyed, a catfish Well, a bowl of wavy gravy and a left-hand dish Now go and get my dinner Go and get my dinner You ain't got it Go out and get it Cause I don't have to die till you get back Snake hips, fork of his tongue and both of his lips. Leopard spot, a tiger stripe, and don't come back till it's cooked just right now. Go and get my dinner, go and get my dinner. You ain't got it, go out and get it, cause I don't have to die till you get back. 
I need a ton of chocolate in a hundred pound box A root beer float in a cardboard box I'm gonna eat and drink my fill Cause Lord knows this is my last meal Now go and get my dinner Go and get my dinner You ain't got it Go out and get it Cause I don't have to die till you Get my dinner, go and get my dinner. You ain't got it, go out and get it. David Holt and Josh Goforth with Get My Dinner here on BYU Radio. Now, sadly, lamentably, that ends this edition of Highway 89. But gosh, David Holt, thanks for coming and being so with us So glad today. to be here. Thank you for having <laughs> us. It's been a pleasure. Josh Goforth, thanks so much for joining David Holt, as you always do. Such a pleasure to have you both in town. Thanks for having us back. And I'll tell you something. They've got a Grammy-nominated album, Cutting Loose, a two-man tornado of tunes and tales. And you can find information about their latest projects and concerts and perhaps even a recipe or two online at davidholt.com. We've got a studio audience here that's been downright reverent for the last hour. Guys, how do you feel? Thank you. Special thanks, of course, to the Timpanoga Storytelling Festival for helping arrange this performance, and congratulations to that marvelous festival on 25 wonderful years. And we always like to hear from you, our listeners, and you can send your comments and questions by email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Sam Payne. Thanks for listening.